What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, everyone. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Line B, come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're gonna stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. Cake Eater. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello, everyone. Kevin is not here, but we have his replacement on the line, official minor leaguer of the Quack Attack podcast, Bo Brower. Bo, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be here again. It's always, always a pleasure. No problem. No problem. I will say welcome to the Quack Attack podcast, the definitive Mighty Ducks podcast. Bo, this is a little overdue. We, uh, we talked about having you back on, and it's a little later than I think... Uh, I would have liked, and I we probably should have had you on earlier, but I wasn't paying attention too much, and I was like, "Oh, it's already July," so <laughs> let's just uh, let's just sort of recap the season here and see where you're at. So um, for the the Quackalites at home, Bo Brower, first year in the ECHL, coming straight out of Notre, Notre Dame, uh, five games for South Carolina, get traded, play five games yep. for Atlanta. Then get traded again yep. to Wooster, <laughs> and a pretty yep. pretty solid uh, stat line here: thirty-one games, nine goals, seven assists for a total of sixteen points. So basically, a point every other game there. Uh, just what did you sort of make of your overall season there? Yeah, I uh, thought it was kind of just a big journey. It was pretty wild and adventurous, and. I definitely saw the Holy Coast all the way down from Fort Myers, Florida, up to St. John's, New Finland, and Canada. Um, so it was it was a really good time. Made a lot of good friends, and um, you know, saw a lot of things that I haven't seen in the game of hockey. And um, just kind of being out on my own and away from college, and um, living in the, uh, the apartments with all the guys and stuff. It was a really good time, but it uh, was a little little tiring. Just kind of not knowing what was going on the next day. You know, I was always, always working my hardest because, you know, it, it was my job. So I never knew where I would be ending up or where I would be going or if I was still going to be stay, staying there. And so, you know, after I got to Atlanta, being traded from South Carolina and I love South Carolina. It was, it was really fun. And, you know, I made a lot of really good friends there. So it's hard to say goodbye to a lot of those guys. And, um, but honestly, it was, it was really good for my playing career to get out of there just because I wasn't playing so many games, obviously, and I'm uh, not getting the opportunity I would have liked. And then when I got to Atlanta, I, I was thinking the same thing the whole time. I was just like, man, like, what if I get traded right away? And, uh, you know, I hope that doesn't happen. But, uh, you know, just got to roll the punches and stay positive and optimistic, uh, uh, whatever happens, wherever I go. And uh, I was on New Year's Day when I got the call. I got 9 in the morning saying, yeah, unfortunately, we had to trade you. We owed Worcester a guy, and they – Picked, uh, they picked you out of a list of four for uh, future considerations of what they had traded for earlier in the season. So I was like, oh, holy cow, uh, here we go again. And I um, called the coach at Worcester, and he said, yeah, we're actually going to play South Carolina, so you can meet us back down there. So I had four days to just kind of pack up and then drive back to South Carolina, um, and we had the game there and two games in Greenville. And so after the game against South Carolina, I followed the team bus up to Greenville. We played two games in Greenville, and then I, you know, drove my car all the way up to Worcester, which was about 15 hours, 
Jeez. So, um, you know, starting in South Carolina, went to South Carolina, drove to Atlanta, which is about five hours, five hours back to South Carolina, and then 15 hours, or three hours to Greenville, and then 15 hours all the way up to Worcester. So, got uh, saw a lot of road out there. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, all right, great, great experience. And, uh, you know, I was really happy with how I ended the year in Worcester, getting some points. And, you know, the coaches were really happy with how I played. And um, they were really optimistic and, um, I just, uh, earlier this summer, I signed to go back there and they really want me to come back, oh. which is great. And, um, that's, those are my plans for next year. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. Nice. So we got to, at least we get to stick with our Worcester Railers gear. So yeah, we uh, bought a yeah. lot of gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you, you mentioned like thinking, what if I get traded right away when you got to Atlanta? Was that like a, a inkling in your mind that you could be traded again? I, man, I, I don't know what it was. It was just kind of honestly, like, you know, there was a bunch of guys when I got to Atlanta, there was like four guys that got sent down to the SBHL and like two other guys that got traded. There was so much movement going on in Atlanta and they were the worst team in the league at the point. So the coach was making all these moves and I don't really know what he was trying to do with it. So when I got there and kind of seeing how, you know, a little more of the chaos side of the league, I was just thinking to myself, like, wow, like I, you know, I, would love to be here the rest of the season, but I honestly have no idea if that's going to happen if I'm not, you know, the top five players on this team that he's always trusting every night to go to. And I wasn't one of those guys when I got there. So I was just thinking to myself, well, you know, obviously get settled in and enjoy yourself, but, you know, just work your hardest because you never know what's going to happen next. That's kind of just my um, attitude with it. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, we yeah. have we have never been traded. Um, <laughs> what is that like when it, you're in South Carolina? You start the season, you think you're going to be there, and uh, how do you just learn about it? And what is that like when you just got to pack up everything and move? It was honestly really strange. I was really happy to get traded, hockey wise, and really sad to leave because. Where it was in South Carolina, Charleston was an awesome spot. Uh, I mean, anyone who's been there, you know, can attest to that, how much fun it could be. And, you know, I got to fish and golf a lot. And, you know, going into December, it was still 80 degrees out. So, you know, that was the hard part was just leaving the city and leaving the guys I was playing with. But on the other hand, I was super excited to go to a place that was like, yeah, like you're going to be in the lineup tomorrow night and you're going to play three games. I think it was December 14th, 15th, and 16th, and you go home for Christmas break for a few days and come back and play more games. And so when I heard that from the coach at Atlanta, I was, you know, super excited because I hadn't played a game in two weeks with South Carolina and it was really frustrating. So I, I was, you know, I had to talk to my agent who was representing me and I said, Hey, like, I got to find a spot that uh, will play me because, you know, that's, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this to, to play and to see what I can do in this league. And, if I'm not uh, if I'm not doing it in South Carolina, I got to go somewhere else. And so he uh, he had called the coach and said, you know, if we can't find a spot in the lineup for Bo here, well, let's see if there's another team that'd be willing to take him. And Atlanta was that team. And so um, when I got the call and you know the news from them, you know, I just had to kind of be reserved and just take all this information and just pack up all this stuff and call my parents and be like, hey, I traded. Honestly, it's for the best. You know, I'm going to play games, and um, I just got to be optimistic about it. And hopefully this is the city that um, and the team that will be, you know, where I end up the rest of the year. So that's just kind of the outlook I had to have on it. Otherwise, you know, 
guys can just drive themselves into the ground and um, really get frustrated and stressed. And I just, I couldn't look at it that way. So, yeah. So Bo, like how much like stuff do you like have with you? Do you just have basically like a car full or you just have like, you know, two duffel bags and did you have like too much stuff? Did you like kind of know what you were getting into? Like, Hey, don't bring like your entire wardrobe with you to South Carolina. Cause you might not be there the entire time. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, um, I definitely overpacked. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a car full. Um, I drive, uh, um, GMC Yukon. So thankfully it fits a lot of things. Nice. Um, and I mean, really all I, really all I had was my, my hockey gear, a couple duffel bags of clothes and, my golf clubs and my fishing gear um, and a TV for you know, in South Carolina because obviously I could do those activities. And then Atlanta, I still could too. But, yeah, it was it was quite a bit of a hassle packing up everything and, and kind of playing Tetris in my car, just making sure everything fit. And, you know, the TV wouldn't break and my golf clubs and fishing stuff wouldn't break either. So it was definitely uh, a little stressful just getting that all in on uh, a good timely matter and getting on the road to get where I needed to go. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, you know, you go to the minor leagues after spending time in, after playing in college and, you know, I guess, you know, when you're a, a student athlete, I guess you can argue that there's always something that you need to be doing, whether it be sports related or school related, whatever. So when you become a, you know, a professional, how do you kind of fill your days? Are you, you know, constantly thinking about hockey and, you know, doing things that'll, you know, better you as a, as a player, or do you find yourself with unexpected free time? And like, how did you kind of fill those hours, especially when you're like on a, on a bus for, for many, many hours or, or and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, really different from college um, as all the free time we had really shocked me. Um, a lot of our days were practiced at 10, 10 o'clock. You get, you get to the rink around eight and you might have a couple meetings and you'd warm up, you stretch, you go out and practice at 10. And then if you wanted to, you could lift after. So, you know, practices would only go anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour. And the longer the season went, the shorter practices would get just to, you know, keep your body um, from getting too tired and, and worn out. So once we were done with that, you could do light lift, more stretching, whatever you'd want to do. And so you'd be out of the rink by 12, 12, 31 o'clock, and then you'd have the rest of the day to do whatever. Um, and honestly, a lot of the advice I got from the older guys was to take advantage of the free time you had. Um, and usually it was to just rest because you get some of those long road trips. Like when I saw you guys in Allen and you're busting everywhere and you're taking plane rides places and, you know, you're not sleeping that well and you got four games in a row and it really catches up to you and your body. And, you know, that road trip that you guys saw me, we probably had like four or five players that were sick and another two or three that were injured. So it's uh, the season can really take a toll on players. And if you're not really watching your health and um, how you're eating and how you're sleeping, you catch up to you. So, um, you know, to answer the question, the free time, the free time was awesome. Cause I, you know, I, I could go home, I get a nap in. And then if the weather was nice, you know, in South Carolina, I'd go do something outside, whether it's fishing or golfing or just doing something with the guys, maybe go to a pool or something. And when I got to, uh, when I got to Worcester, it was a little different, obviously, with the weather being super cold. Um, you know, we might go see a movie. We might just hang out and watch TV. Or we might go downstairs in the uh, in the apartment and play ping pong or something like that and just chill and relax. Um, so it was – and, yeah, at some days it would get boring, so you just have to find ways to make it fun for you and your teammates and enjoy it. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about and why you're doing it, to, to have fun with it with your teammates and where you're at because – 
um, you don't you don't want to be there and just be like, oh gosh, like what am I gonna do today? Why is this you know so boring? It's like it's that's the way you're looking at. It. You shouldn't be doing it. So, but yeah, we we had a lot of free time, and if you made the most of it, it was I you know that's why I said I really enjoyed the season. It was just so much fun being able to uh, spend time at the rink with the guys and spend time out of the rink with the guys and become close with the teammates and um, enjoy enjoy it while I was doing it. So yeah. So what was the competition like compared to college? Like how big of a jump is it? That uh, I would say the game probably isn't faster. I would say college is definitely more of a fast and strategic game. Like a lot of systems, coaches. I mean, the biggest thing in college is you play your two games Friday and Saturday, so you, and the same opponent usually, mm-hmm. both Friday and Saturday night. So you have the whole week to prepare for that team and their systems, how they break out, what they do in the new zone, what they do in the ozone, and all the tendencies. And it's way different in pro because you know you're playing four different teams in one week sometimes, and so you don't get that much time to prepare for it. So you got to do some film sessions to point out stuff. But at the same time, it's like we just got to play our game and focus on what we're doing and how we're playing. So I would say that the biggest difference was um, just the, the whole side of systems and whatnot in college. And, and there was still a little bit of system in pro hockey, but the game was definitely more rugged and physical, a lot of bigger bodies out there, a lot of guys that are willing to fight and, you know, finishing their checks more and looking for those big open ice hits um, and those scrappy players. And, and there's a few guys on, um, in the league that are honestly on contracts to be more of it. And um, that was that was why they're in the league. So you had to watch out for those guys too. So uh, the biggest the biggest difference was just the, the size and the physicality. And, you know, the speed was probably um, – I, I would think college might be a little faster just because there's so many more skilled and top talent in college hockey while – you're getting some of those more rugged players in the ECHL. So I would say that's the biggest difference. So what have you done, I guess, this offseason that we're going to continue to do to to kind of become more competitive in this league and, and to kind of understand the, the pace of play and everything? I So far, I've just been um, doing a lot of, a lot of off-ice training, and I've been starting to get a lot of cardio and conditioning going since I still have to the end of September. So that's you know almost two months. Um, and that was that was another advice that you know the old guys, the older guys in the league told me, and even my coaches. They said, uh, you know, after the season, you know, take a month, maybe even take two months, take take time to rest your body, get your injuries back in order, and get your body right so you're feeling up to uh, to training. And it's a long summer, so don't burn yourself out, and don't uh, you know don't start stuff way too early by the time you get to. September comes rolling around, you're not dreading hockey. You want to be coming into the season feeling fresh, feeling ready, feeling, um, you know, just as quick and as strong as you can. And you don't want to be burned out for that because then you, know, you got a 72 game schedule to come into and you're going to be dead by that halfway point. You're just going to be feeling so low. So right now I'm, I've been, I've been lifting weights, uh, three times a week and starting to, you know, every day I'm shooting pucks and stick handling. Um, and I've been working with um, some skating clinics, just working on my stride, which has been really good, and then skill sessions too, and then trying to get into skate that, you know, four and four hockey that um, that's, you know, good for shinny, good for working on the hands, and 
Um, as of recently, I just got into uh, this summer league called the Beauty League in Minnesota, and it's like all the top pros out of Minnesota are playing it, and it's four and four played at my old high school rink, and they sell tickets, and they have uh, all the all the money goes to charities, and it's a really cool deal, and they draw a lot of fans, and it's every Wednesday night. So that's that's been a really fun event to play in because it's all NHL, AHL, ECHL, and some of the best. NCAA guys, that's been a, a really treat, uh, a big treat to play in so far too. Um, and yeah, now I would just say right now I'm starting to pick up my conditioning side of stuff and getting that training going. So you know, when two weeks come or excuse me, some months comes rolling around, I'll be uh, ready to go for um, training camp. So who's on your team in the beauty? Like any big names? Yeah, there's there's a couple. Um, Brock Besser on oh, nice. uh, Vancouver. Yeah, Nate Schmidt on Vegas, Golden Knights. Um, Derek Stepan on uh, he's on Arizona Coyotes. Um, oh, who else is on our team? There's a few <laughs> HL guys. There's we have the uh, the Paling brothers. There's three brothers who uh, all played for Saint Cloud State, and one of them he signed with Montreal Canadiens, and he he played one game with them, and he had a hat trick with them at the end of the year. So that was really cool. Yeah, and. Um, then a couple other ECHL players and our goalie, um, he's an ECHL guy too. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think there's a I'm I'm missing a few guys, but I think every team there's six teams, and I think every team has about four or five NHL guys. You know, a few HL guys and a few ECHL guys and a couple of college guys. So it's uh, it's really competitive and it's fun to play in front of a big crowd too. Nice, nice. So, uh, how's the team doing so far? We are we're one and zero. We won last Wednesday. <laughs> Second game is is uh, this week, and um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can keep winning because the uh, top four teams advance. They do playoffs, which is really cool to play for uh, the John Scott Cup, and it's uh, the trophy is just an empty keg, so that's pretty funny. <laughs> nice, nice. So yeah, uh, you mentioned like playing in front of the big crowds and that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, when you came to Allen, and now Allen was the worst team in the league, but there was like, they said it was like a few thousand. It was probably like, Tommy, how many you think you were there? Like 500 maybe? Yeah, that might be a little generous. But I'd say 500. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was the typical <laughs> crowd you were playing in front of? And uh, does anyone have like a great crowd or a terrible crowd? In the ECHL or the yeah. Summer League? In the ECHL. Um, we... See, it's really interesting because it's always the weekend games and the promotion nights that get the biggest crowds. Like if we had a a Friday night Saturday game with a promotion, we we would draw like five to six thousand a night in our building, which was which was great. And the whole lower bowl would be completely filled. And then there were there were teams like we'd go to Manchester on a and they didn't get good fans, and we'd go there on like a Wednesday. And they would maybe have like 300 fans in their whole uh, their whole rank. So it was, um, you know, sometimes there'd be no one there, and then other times, uh, you know, on a weekend night you get a lot of fans. And there were a couple teams, and we never played. Um, I'm trying to think of the teams. There was a couple of the Midwest and Central, the Central Division teams that would fill up their whole buildings. They get like they the building would hold seven or eight thousand, and they'd fill it up every time. Toledo Walleyes, they. Toledo Wallace, they, they average, I think, like 8,000 a night and would be like 95% filled every game. And so would uh, Fort Wayne Comets. Supposedly they fill up every night too. And then there's teams like uh, up in St. John's, New Finland. We went there a couple times and 
they're building only holes about 4,500, but they fill it up every time. So they average 4,000 fans, and it's a really fun environment to play in front of. And that's the same when we play. When I was in South Carolina, we went down to play the Florida Everblades. They had the same kind of building, just one full lower bowl that holds about 4,000 people, and it's uh, a modern rink, and they fill it up every game. So, yeah, there were some teams with terrible fans and would average, you know, 1,000 a night. And then there were some teams that would average eight to 9,000 a night. It just kind of depends on if your city really loves your ECHL team or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned some of the promotions. Uh, were there any, like, yeah. wild promotions that you guys were a part of in Worcester? Yeah, we had we had a few pretty good ones. I think my favorite was um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Night. <laughs> we had some real, real solid jerseys for that game. And uh, definitely draw in uh, bigger fans into the crowd. But we had uh, uh, Boston Red Sox night where we had these really cool Railers jerseys that look like Red Sox jersey. We had a, a you know the New England Patriots night to celebrate the uh, Super Bowl and the Lombardi Trophy was there, which was really cool. So the, you know fans love that, and the uh, jerseys were just like the Patriots jerseys, which was really cool. And we had a Nickelodeon night. Um, <laughs> We had a Harry Potter night. They had they had a Star Wars night, but I wasn't there for that. But the jerseys were like R two D two jerseys, which was, I, I heard was unreal. <laughs> we had a uh, uh, breast cancer awareness night, and the, our jersey had pink in them, which was fun. Um, yeah, there were there were a lot of ones. There was uh, one game we played at Brampton, and it was an eleven a.m. game for elementary schools. So it was like twenty five classes of all third and fourth graders i believe (laughs) and they would just blare music the whole time and it was the first period it was actually an unreal atmosphere because they were loud the whole time but then when you realize they were just screaming at the top of their lungs the last two periods is like oh my gosh get me out of here (laughs) (laughs) real rowdy yeah yeah real you never knew those fourth graders would be so rowdy at a hockey game (laughs) so Um, will you be suggesting a, a mighty ducks night for uh for next season I will definitely bring that up to marketing with Worcester. That would be rock solid. <laughs> that would be really good, really good uh, promotion night. Nice, nice. Now, so well, we mentioned that, you know, you came down to Allen, Texas, and we saw you. I will say, after that Allen game, which you scored in while playing defense, you really went on a tear uh, the next yeah. few games. Uh, how much of that was just due to the podcast bump? It had to be 100 percent because of the podcast bump i think seeing seeing you guys and you guys bringing the energy and alan gave me that pickup just like oh if you know even though i'm playing d i can still score a lot of goals i can still pass the puck and get assists and um create a lot of offense and yeah and I, I, you know it was it was just great to when the, yeah, coming down that home stretch of the season um get going with points and get a better opportunity and get to play power play and um just be able to actually you know, show people that I could play in that league and, you know, be a big part of the team and being a part of the, you know, where the offense is coming, coming from. So it was definitely, uh, it, it had to be the, uh, the podcast bump that helped me out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How much of, how many of your teammates are aware of the pod and, uh, your standing as the official minor leaguer of it? Uh, there was probably like, Honestly, in South Carolina, the whole team got kind of got a hold of it, and like everyone knew there, and was 
making jokes about it. And then when uh, at Worcester, there was probably only like five or six guys that asked me what was going on, and I kind of told them the whole story of of uh, how it worked out and stuff like that. So, but uh, I'm I'm sure uh, that you know marketing team um, Tuesdays with Tom, our marketing guy. He he really wanted to link up with you guys and. I know we were talking about that and it just, it wasn't able to work out unfortunately, but he was asking me about it and the story. So that was, that was fun to tell him and share the story with him and have him put that out on his podcast too. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we just couldn't make it uh, work schedule wise, but uh, that's good to know. Good to know. So uh, you mentioned you're headed back to Worcester. Uh, Just what is that? What is that process like after the season? And because uh, I think you were on a one-year deal originally, and just how did that come back or come together where you were coming back there? Yeah, absolutely. So we um, had amazing meetings right after the season's over. So you know, it was really unfortunate end of the season. We had uh, we were in the race for the fourth spot in our division to make the playoffs, and we had about twelve games left with you know controlling our own destiny. We just had to win about eight or nine of those games, and we went on a nine-game losing streak, so that's a big no-no with that little time left. And um, you know, it was kind of—it was really tough part of the season. You know, you start losing and playing games really close and really tight. Guys, uh, guys just start getting deflated. It's like, no, it's not like we're trying to lose these games. Everyone's trying really hard, and we just couldn't find the back of the net. They're stressful. So, anyways, we went over the playoffs, and then you know, we get back from our last game and. Two days later, we all had exit meetings, and you know everyone kind of goes out the last couple of nights to celebrate with everyone. And then uh, after that, everyone goes home. So in the exit meeting, they kind of ask you like what you thought of the year. They tell you what they thought of your year, and um, if they want you back next year, or how you feel about coming back. And, and you know, my meeting went really well, really positive. They told me they wanted me to come back, and. Um, I was really grateful for them giving me the opportunity. So I told them I'd be, uh, I'd be awesome to come back. And so after about, you know, three weeks, I got home. I went to visit my grandparents in Florida. And the head coach came to and called me up and said, hey, we, um, I know our meeting went really well. We'd like to you know, send you another contract for next year and get you on the lineup and, and qualify you for our roster next team. And uh, after talking you know, right away with my agent, it just made the most sense to do that. And, you know, he told me that our, our coach told me that he'd help me find uh, an AHL tryout, whether it's with Bridgeport or another AHL team in the area. He'd help me do that, which is uh, another goal of mine to be able to get an AHL tryout before the VCHL, the Worcester and Railers camp. Um, and so hopefully, uh, hopefully that works out. And so after I got that phone call from him, he sent me the contract a couple of days later and I signed it and sent it right back to him. So it was, you know, about a month after the uh, the season, I was already signed back with them, and it was same kind of format with contract and stuff. Just uh, you know, a pay raise, and now being nice. a veteran, I was, you know, I'll have more say with the team, and you know, I you know, I won't be afraid to give the coach my opinion on stuff, which is you know good, and hopefully, I'll be able to pick who I live with this year, which will be nice, and you know, <laughs> things like that. So, um, yeah, so that's uh, that's a, that was how the process went about. Was it a uh, significant pay raise for you? Um, not exactly, but <laughs> um, unfortunately. But the the nice thing was, my coach was like, you know, if you if you do well, you play well this season, 
will definitely, you know, give you some pay raises throughout the season. So that was a, mm. a really good incentive for him to say to me. So hopefully, um, and hopefully I can make that work and um, accomplish that. Wow. Got to earn the money there. Were you able to put any, like, interesting clauses in your contract? Like, uh, you get to have, like, uh, Oreos after every game, like, available at your locker? Or do you not get to make those demands yet? I don't think – you know, that would have been interesting if I had made that demand. <laughs> but maybe if I play, you know, two more seasons for the team, maybe I could make that demand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Nice, nice. So – when you talk about like an AHL tryout, is that like training camp time ish? How does that work? Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty much any every NHL team has their training camp, and that uh, you know bubble guys will try and make it. And after uh, their training camp, they start the preseason hockey games. And while that's going on, the preseason hockey NHL games, AHL camps start. And when guys get cut from those NHL preseason games or just get cut from the NHL camp, they get sent down to that AHL team, team's camp. And so what happens is while that camp's going on, more and more guys will be sent down. And, um, you know, they'll already have a lot of guys sign a contract with that AHL team. And so a guy like me who was just looking to get a tryout, it's pretty tough to make the team unless I really, really turn some heads. I, you know, look really good, outstanding. I look and if I look good enough and I play really good hockey and, you know, like I, sh- you know, play hockey like I should be there, you know, someone's going to find a spot for me uh, if that is the case. Um, and, you know, and if it's not, the nice thing about only being signed on one way ECHL deal is if they don't pick me up, then there's other AHL teams that could find me too and pull me up to their team. So, you know, the, the camp would, you know, last a week long or so. And, um, you know, after the probably four or five days of, you know, practices and scrimmaging. Then there'd be a couple exhibition games against other HL teams. And, um, you know, every camp's different, but they'll make the cuts along there. So last year I tried out the Chicago Wolves before I went to South Carolina. Um, and they were Las Vegas's HL team. So guys were coming down. I played one exhibition game against Milwaukee. And then the next day, almost every guy that was just on a tryout got cut to go play for the ECHL team. So they did that, and, um, you know, that's kind of how the process worked was it's just a week-long camp that if you're really good and they like you and you're not on a contract with them, they'll keep you around and maybe sign you to something or work a deal out with you. And if you're already on a contract with them, then you'll stay up there, and that's where you're playing for the season. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Two quick questions before we get you out of here, and then uh, we're playing some trivia after this with some callers, so that will be fun. But – Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah. So uh, any plans to play defense this year? Was that just like a fill-in thing? Um, I would probably, you know, I told my coach, hey, if, if you want me to play back there next year when you need me, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. So I think, I think the plan is uh, that I won't be surprised if I play D, but I think the goal is to play you know, as much forward, right wing, left wing, or center as possible this season. And if I if I do play a little bit of D, then I play a little D because I know that uh, they know I can play that position. And I'm always happy to fill in back there and do what I can for the team to help help get a win. So, yeah. Gotcha, yeah. It's nice to be valuable in some sense there. And then uh, final question. Uh, you are a decorated member of the Nor- Notre Dame fishing team. How has the fishing gone this <laughs> summer? 
It's been a little slow. I've been uh, in a couple of bass tournaments, and we've probably placed, you know, middle of the pack. Uh, it's, you know, it's always fun to get on the lake, you know, no matter where you go. But it's, honestly, it, it has been a little slow, and I, uh, you know, trying to find bites on different lakes. And, um, you know, that's the true test of a, uh, a good angler being able to catch uh, catch the big ones on any lake. So, you know, hopefully hopefully with the uh, the midsummer bite, when the fish start moving out deeper, I'll be able to figure it out a little better. But for now, it's I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. So <laughs> thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bo, appreciate it. Uh, if you want to get more of Bo, at BoGo underscore Gadget on Twitter. Uh, just saw Toy Story, thought it was fantastic. That's the most recent tweet. Um, <laughs> other than that, any any other things you want to uh, throw out there to the Quackalites? Uh I don't think so. I just want to say thanks, guys, for having me again. It's always really fun talking to you guys about hockey and the Ducks. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll be watching and uh, obviously have you on at some point, probably to talk a little more Mighty Ducks than anything else. But uh, appreciate it, Bo. Absolutely. All right, so let's uh, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with some trivia action as we say goodbye to Bo. Thanks again, Bo. Thanks, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back for our fifth trivia matchup of the first round here. We got a a 215 seed, but a little uh a little change here. Our 2 seed Gemma had to bow out. She's on vacation and will not be back for a while. So, Luke, the the original number 3 seed moved up to number 2, and then we have Aaron is the number 15 seed. He slides in after just missing out on the original uh actual he was he was just outside the sixteen. It's like winning the playing game in the tournament. This exactly, is exactly. So, let's go to the contestants right now. Luke, the number two seed. Luke, uh, it should be familiar to you guys. Uh, he uh, came up with the he put all the Mighty Ducks in Madden or was it NCAA football or Madden? Uh, Madden. Madden, and he played a whole season, and we had a whole episode on it. Uh, Luke, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Lansing, Michigan right now. Oh, Lansing, the capital of Michigan. Uh, what do you do now in Lansing? Uh, I do construction management work. What does that mean? Uh, I just manage construction projects and like a project manager for a construction company, basically. Oh, okay. So what are we working on right now? Uh, we're working at a little private college here in Michigan, uh, doing a dorm renovation. Oh, well, what are, what are some of the dorm amenities that you guys are putting in? Uh, not too high tech. Let me tell you, it's uh, a <laughs> new floor and new paint and we'll call it good. <laughs> All right. Works for me. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, have you worked on anything more interesting than uh new floor, new paint dorm renovations? I have not. I'm a recent graduate of school, so it's really my first big project. Oh, wow. So, no so they put you on this one because you know dorms and you know what kind of paint the kids want. <laughs> exactly. you got to get the young people on there. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, smart. Smart by this uh, company here. I like them. I like them a lot. All right, let's move to Aaron now. Aaron, where are you calling us from? I am in Phoenix, Arizona, so far, far away from Michigan. Wow. This might be the like the longest distance between competitors here. Aaron, what are you doing out in Phoenix? Uh, I work in insurance, which is as exciting as it sounds. So it sounds pretty exciting. You sound pretty hyped about your job. Oh, I love it. Every minute's better <laughs> than the previous one. <laughs> so what kind of insurance are, are you are you working in? Like all of it? So, uh, no, like uh, property. So I work in property. So, you know, when Luke's not building his stuff, if he was working on somebody's house and it had a flood, then I would help put it back together. Hmm. So are you, like, making calls on, like, how much money people get? Or, like, what is you? what are you doing, actually? Yeah, so, like, your house floods, you call in the claim. So I'm settling the claim part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they want to get paid, they've got to verify with me that we're going to cover it. So. With, without getting into... Told you, it's exciting. <laughs> without getting into super specifics, because I know you probably can't talk about that. Do you get a lot of bogus claims that like don't really pass the smell test, or is it like not as rampant as one might think? No, um, I actually before I did homes, I did auto, and we worked for like I worked for a company in uh, that handled claims in California, and it was like the people who had five DUIs, and this was your last chance to get insurance. So that had a lot more fun type of claims. <laughs> a lot more characters. That's good. <laughs> So you've gone from car yeah. insurance to property. I guess what's the next logical step for that? Like astronaut, NASA stuff, or the space shuttles? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, like big businesses, you know, malls, Costco's. I guess would be big. All right, well, stuff like that. We're rooting for you. We can hope you keep moving up and represent Sam's Club, things like that. Yeah. All right, let's let's go. I- <laughs> Let's get the topic at hand here. Then that is trivia. So we're still in the first round, which means we're still playing the game of categories. So I'm going to give a category. You guys are going to go back and forth naming things from that category. Whoever has the most wins the category. You got to win two categories to advance. If you tie, we just move on. We have five total categories here. So uh, if you guys go through all five and are still tied, we have a tiebreaker question uh you got about now nah, five seconds ish to answer uh you get one pass pass counts as a right answer and uh anything else any questions nope let's do it okay let's do it luke as the number or i guess as the higher seed you get the choice of going first now or first in the second round we're just going to alternate who goes first each category uh i will let aaron go first this round okay so aaron you are up tommy's going to keep score what he says is final i will uh i will do my best to make sure you guys have the correct answers here so the category first category is teams in the peewee hockey league this is from d1 the teams in that league there are 10 of them uh aaron you are up first 
Cardinals. Correct. Luke? Hawks. Correct. Aaron? Flames. Correct. Luke? Uh, Eagles. Incorrect. Aaron? Pass. Well, Aaron won. Aaron has two. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. so Aaron won it. Never mind. So you, you keep your pass. Sorry about that. So good call by Mike. Yeah. Um, yeah, no Eagles, which is kind of one of the more popular names, I think, in all of American sports. Yeah, Eagles and Bulldogs, I feel like. But Eagles, Bulldogs, and Wildcats, of course. Yeah, of course. So the teams in the Pee Wee Hockey League, I'll just run down all 10 for you. The Cardinals said the Cubs. Uh, the, the Cubs? I don't yeah. remember ever hearing about the Cubs. The Cubs are in there. They're they're never shown. They're never uh, they're never ever seen. They're just on the board in Hans's shop. Okay. Uh, the the ducks. ducks, which probably should have one of you should have gotten. Uh, the Flames, the Hawks, the Hornets, the Ducks' first round opponents, the Huskies. Fulton's uh, miracle slap shot uh, made the playoffs against the Huskies. The Jets, the Panthers, and the Tigers. Another one that. You're never really seen. I wonder. So Cubs and Tigers are obviously like uh, baseball teams, and they're like kind of the most unoriginal names, maybe next to the um, the Cardinals. And so I wonder if they were thrown in, or if like a producer was like a fan of them, oh. and so they just like put them in. It's like like when random like characters are like have like the same last name as like someone's favorite teacher, or like. It's the name of the town that grew up in. So I wonder if there's any trivia there, but uh, we'll we'll try to find out eventually. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the second category. Uh, this one's this one's going to be difficult. I'll just say it for you here. And there's going to be. I feel like there's going to be some judgment calls we're going to have to make, Tommy. So we're going to have to uh, figure that out as we go. This is sayings for ducks fly together. So they're on the locker room. Somebody says something, and they all go, ducks fly together. Uh, there are four of them uh, by three different people. That's a little hint for you. But sayings for ducks fly together. Luke, you are up first. Uh, who are we? That's, that's the quote I'm going with. Incorrect. No. I feel like this is a terrible category. Hey. <laughs> Uh, all right, you ready for me? Yeah, Aaron, sorry. When the roosters are crowing and the cows are spinning circles in the pasture? That is correct. That is correct, yes. Well played. Yes, impressive by Dwayne that Robertson. That is a Florida Gulf Coast right there. Just never gave Georgetown a chance. <laughs> yes. Middle, middle Tennessee State. <laughs> yeah, there, oh, you yeah. there you go. It's, yeah, it's, over Michigan State. It's your guys' East Coast bias. You don't have enough uh, West Coast guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so just to uh, run through the category, uh, just when you think they're about to break apart, ducks fly together. That that comes from Gordon Bombay. When, this is the last, and then the next one is, uh, I, I guess I'll do this in the order that they were said on the film. So just when you think they're about to break the part, when the wind blows hard and the sky is black, ducks fly together. That's from Michelle McKay. When the roosters are crowing and the cows are spinning circles in the pasture. And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together. Another one from Gordon Bombay. So Aaron, just a quick victory there. Uh, Congratulations. You move on to the second round. Opponent to be determined. 
probably in our next matchup. Luke, uh, congratulations on graduating. Tough loss in this uh, first round here. But I feel like some big things are ahead in project management. So uh, you have that to hold your hat on to. I appreciate it, yes. Aaron, as I said, congratulations. Um, let us know if you uh, move up the insurance ranks. Until then, you can tell people that you won the uh, first round of Mighty Ducks Quack Attack or Quack Attack Mighty Ducks trivia. And uh, for us, the Quackatech.com, at Quackatechpod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Quackatechpod. Go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Tell us your favorite Bo Brower story. That's a little hint for the, the people on the line here. They don't even know who was before them. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. <laughs>